Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy here from the Global Smart Energy Summit in Dubai. Our guest today is Christina Bu from the Norwegian Electric Vehicle Association. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> thanks, thanks for making time. Christina, we want to talk around electric vehicles, obviously, today. Um, a little bit uh, looking into the Norwegian success story, but also looking into challenges and opportunities around electric vehicles. But uh, before we go there, it would be great if you could introduce yourself as a person and then also tell us a bit about the mission of the Norwegian Electric Vehicle Association. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so my name is Christina and I'm, I'm heading this NGO, uh, which is an organization organizing the owners of electric cars in Norway. Uh, electric cars, uh, then I mean fully electric vehicles, uh, fully electric cars that only run on electricity. We have more than 50,000 members, paying members, and I think that makes us the world's largest EV owner association. Uh, we, our work, the work that we do is, is twofold really. Um, one thing is that we work uh, to, uh, to promote electric mobility uh, and to, uh, yeah, to talk to our politicians, uh, industry, uh, do, do, do the lobby work that is necessary to make this happen as fast as possible. Uh, that, that means both um, having incentives, for example, in Norway, but also uh, getting charging infrastructure up and going. But just as important is helping our members. Uh, Norway is the first country in the world that has moved from the early movers stage to the early mass market, mm -hmm. which means that people buying these cars now are different than a few years ago. Then it was the tech savvy people, the, you know, the engineers mm -hmm. that had read everything about the car before they bought it. They knew all about the technology. Now it's just sort of normal people buying these cars. And they have lots of questions and, and inquiries. And so we have several people answering emails and phone calls every day. Um, we receive a lot of questions and they're, they're pretty much about three things, charging, charging, and charging. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so lots of questions. And, and of course, we also have um, uh, membership deals that we offer our members, uh, which is also a big, big part of our, the work that we do. So yeah, so we're an NGO uh, working to promote electric transport and also helping uh, the consumers, our members, uh, with the needs and the questions that they have. Right. So um, how do you become a secretary general of an electric vehicle association? Well, my background, uh, actually, I've never even owned a car. <laughs> so it's a quite a good question. I've, I've, I've had my driver's license since I was 18, but um, it, it's environmental reasons why I got into this. Um, I believe that if we are to reduce emissions, both local and global emissions, we have to electrify transport. So um, I got into this because of, uh, because of that. But my former job, I, I worked as a political advisor, as a lobbyist really, for, um, uh, for the AAA in Norway. Uh, also work, but my responsibility was uh, environmental issues and electric mobility and things like that. So that was my background. So now I've been uh, leading this organisa organization for s four years almost. Um, and we've grown quickly. Uh, 
uh, as, as the car sales has grown, um, around 20 people now working at the association. Yeah, and you must have done a good job because, at least by market share, Norway is the leading country in the world on the uptake of electric vehicles. So how did that happen? Well, um, I, I, I'm not going to take all the honor, honor <laughs> for that. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, I think the real honor is, is uh, to, to our politicians. They uh, started with, actually it started early 1900s really. Uh, Norway has a long history of taxing cars. Buying a new car in Norway is extremely expensive. Uh, you buy you pay a purchase tax and VAT on top of that. So buying a new car is expensive. Uh, in the early 1990s, Norwegian politicians decided that we'll remove those taxes for BEVs, battery electric vehicles, mean, which means full electric. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they removed both the purchase tax and the VAT. Uh, and it's sti that's still the case. So for many years, there were still with these uh, incentives, and they also added other incentives, like lo local incentives as well. For example, free public parking, access to bus lanes, um, you don't, didn't have to pay at toll roads, things like that. But something it didn't really start happen, happening until around 2010, 11. Uh, and why was that? Of course, because before that, there were not that many cars to buy. 2011, the, the Nissan Leaf was launched, and then more and more different car models were introduced. And then the sales just started slowly growing. And so we've gone from, I'm talking about full electric vehicles now, gone from a market share of 3% to 21%, which was last year, in five years. Which is quite quick. And it's a quite quick period for people to just get aboard, which I think is probably the most interesting part of this story. If we include the plug-in hybrids, the market share now is uh, more than 40%. So more than 40% of new car sales are now either fully or partly electric cars. So while um, this is a great success, this uptake uh, of EVs and um, environmental factors, which i like to discuss uh, later, are of course an important part of the story. There's also a challenging part around EVs, and this is with the utilities. Uh, so we hear this quite a bit uh, from other countries that the utilities are worried about what's coming. But it seems also here we can learn from Norway how to handle this problem. So how did Norwegian utilities react? Well, the utilities in Norway has been mostly supportive, really. And I think part of the reason is that the Norwegian grid is quite robust. Uh, on a, the, the central grid, well, we have more, more than enough electricity available, really. The, if, if all passenger cars in Norway are electrified, it will only, fully electrified, it would only demand 5 to 6% of our hydropower. Norway have almost 100% renewable electricity production. Um, but this, the distribution grid is, of course, a bigger, a bigger challenge, can be a challenge. But they tend to see that EVs are, which I totally agree, is important to, to make this happen uh, and uh, ha make this work. Um, and they see that there are also business opportunities connected to the increasing number of electric cars, especially when it comes to demand management, uh, steering, well, mo most cars, or actually all cars, are parked longer than uh, what uh, w the time that you spend uh, charging, right? So if you can tell uh, your consumers, your customers, to, to charge at the right time, that can help you also shave the peaks, right? Yes. Uh, which is, especially in Norway in the afternoons, um, you don't necessarily have to charge exactly then. No. So there are, and, and there are also investing in, in um, 
businesses uh, related to charging infrastructure. Um, I think they, they have been a little bit slow at the beginning. Um, this has not been the driving force in Norway. It hasn't been the businesses that has been sort of pushing this. It's been, it's been from the top, t uh, from the politicians and from the bottom up, from the consumers really. But now there's a lot more happening and uh, a lot of exciting things too. Cool projects, uh, big charging infrastructure projects, and also more and more getting uh, the consumers along to new business models. On this charging aspect, I know everybody's asking about this. I had a question now, which is probably not very new. Um, what about standardization? I mean, if you are an early adopter, you will have a zoo of technology. Uh, can I charge my electric vehicle in Norway at any charging point? Uh, almost. Um, of course, this is from a consumer point of view. Um, I represent the consumers. It's ridiculous, of course, that we couldn't just <laughs> have one charging standard. Um, you have different fast charging standards uh, and you also have um, different plugs on a, on, a, on a normal charging as well. But pretty much you could go to, to any ch fast charging station, for example. You, you know, you have fast charging when you go on longer trips and then you have the normal charging when you charge at home or where the car is parked. So, so there these are the two issues you need to solve. You need to have charging where you live. Mm -hmm. Uh, and which can be problematic in, in city areas especially. And you need uh, fast charging stations where, where you want to go on a longer trip. And yeah, you could definitely take any car really and go fast uh, and fast charge, but you have different plugs. So you have to know which, which plug to, to choose right. Whether it's the Shadomo plug or the CCS plug, or maybe your car should charge on an AC charger. And this is the reason why we get a lot of emails and phone calls to the Norwegian EV Association. Uh, people get confused uh, and they tend to call us when they stop at the fast charging station the first time and, okay. and wonder what to do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You also mentioned an interesting part which is probably also part of being an early adopter moving into like an early mass market that the people who buy these cars are now different people. We see more and more people maybe buying these cars because they like them and uh, they are maybe even soon cheaper than the usual combustion engine. So that obviously implies that there's a huge challenge on the car industry. I think briefly we also described or talked about the challenge that some models were just not available. This is why it took some time. So how do you look at this aspect and how, how do you work with the car industry on these matters? We are a lot in dialogue with the car industry. Uh, they are quite interested in what's going on in Norway, especially uh, the consumer point of view. So they are, they're coming to Norway a lot, um, uh, also the ones who don't have electric cars yet. So we talk to a lot of um, CEOs and, and top management in the different OEMs, uh, car manufacturers. Um, I think what's, what is interesting is that if you're, if you're in Germany, for example, people are still discussing the myths. They're still, don't really, they're still sort of challenging this a lot. Whereas Norway, we've sort of passed, to a large part, we passed that stage. And it's becoming normal for people. In, in some of the biggest cities, like Oslo and Bergen, now more than 10% of the cars on the road is a full electric vehicle. So people are seeing is believing. And everybody have a neighbor or a friend or someone, if they don't own an electric car themselves, then they have someone else there. So for the, the car industry to come to Norway, it sort of opens their, their eyes a little bit. Um, that said, these are big companies and it's, these are 
big ships to steer in a different direction. So although some of their mani top managers understand where it's going, it's a big challenge for them to, to, to get you know, the ship <laughs> in a different direction. And my worry is that, or I'm actually quite sure, that in a few more years we will see, you know, a Kodak moment. Yes. Uh, and that there are bigger man manufacturers that, that won't uh, be able to survive. Yes. Because this is a disruptive technology. Uh, the demand side is there as soon as the price is more or less level. Uh, and this will happen in country by country. And it's also connected to autonomous vehicles and car sharing. All, the, all this is sort of reinforcing each other, mm -hmm. these trends. And producing an electric car is actually quite simple. Uh, and even worse for the car manufacturers, there's not much to fix afterwards. You know, they have a lot of revenues on fixing your cars after. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, removing all of that is a possible real big danger actually for the type of manufacturers that, we've, that we have. Uh, and I think definitely some of them are really getting that and they're, they're, they're getting there faster than the others, but they will be challenged now with, one thing is, is car manufacturers from China, for example, or even India, uh, but w to consumer tech companies, they also know, you know, they can do, they can do this. And, uh, so it's, it's a very interesting story going on in, in the, the car industry right now, and it's going to be totally different in another five or ten years. Yes. I think I'm certainly not surprised that in countries like Germany there is certainly also a moment of denial because the car industry was the holy grail, and, and that was pretty much the combustion engine and very little any new innovations on, on electric vehicles. And it's related to certainly also how your company is set up. There were a lot of investments. We talked a bit about this uh, before we started this podcast. There's your whole labor, uh, which you cannot just retrain and turn by 180 degrees. Um, but uh, I mean, would you say that um, somebody who doesn't change today is most certainly, I mean, he will not be around anymore in the future. So I think that moment the people have to get. And I kind of sometimes foresee there's a bit the parallels with renewal. So we were fighting this battle for decades, trying to make the world greener. Now suddenly that has become very easy because uh, renewables are starting to be cheaper than conventional generation. This kind of seems to be exactly the same thing going to happen in, in electric vehicles. At some point the family will decide I buy the electric vehicle because it's more affordable than the combustion engine. So. I guess the car industry at some point will get to this. I want to highlight uh, one more topic actually, and that is the environmental aspect. Um, so of course, very often EVs are seen connected to en environmental benefits. And certainly in a city environment, that is immediately true when we talk about the emissions of the car uh, floating around the people walking on the roads. But when we look into countries uh, like Singapore, for example, um, most of the electricity is produced uh, by fossil fuels. So that effect kind of goes away. You don't have this discussion in Norway a lot because you have 100% renewables there. But uh, I would still be interested on your view on, on that. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, an EV, an electric car is better even though it runs on, on, on coal. It's not good, but it's even it's better. First of all, because you, as you mentioned, it it doesn't have pollution wh wh where it's driven, right? Which is really important to remember. Uh, in India, for example, 
more than two million people die every year because of local pollution. I was in Delhi in December. I, I actually felt sick because mm -hmm. the, the pollution was so bad. So this alone is a, is a good reason. But you were talking about uh, CO2 emissions, right, and, and, and climate. And I think that if we are to solve this huge problem for humanity, um, we have to do it as fast as we can. And I don't believe that we, have, we can wait until we have 100% renewable electricity production in the world before we start developing the products and the vehicles that can run on this renewable power. We have to do this at the same time and develop this uh, simultaneously. So, and, th and then we see a big breakthroughs also when it comes to renewables, right? With solar and wind, especially solar. Uh, and this is moving faster and faster. So I think that, yeah, this has to hap go hand in hand and it has, both has to happen as fast as we, you possibly can make it happen. But uh, also people tend to forget that uh, the electric, mo electric motor is so much more effective. Um, most of the energy is put use to, 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 to move the vehicle forward, right? Whereas in with a, a conventional motor, it's most is lost in, in heat and, and uh, lost energy, right? So you're lucky if you get 30% uh, of the energy to, to move the car forward. So just with that calculation, even in a, for climate reasons, it's, it's, it's better with an electric car, even, even though you use uh, fossil fuels. But we have to move away from fossil fuels. We have to clean up the grid and we have to have cars, electric cars that can, can use these renewables. So now I need you to uh, be a bit visionary. Uh, I pull it all together. So um, we do have electric vehicles. Um, I think here in the conference you were in a panel where also autonomous driving was discussed. Um, and you briefly mentioned earlier in an answer shared models, like shared economy, shared cars. So this stereotype of someone who loves his car and because of that gets into driving might totally go away by us sitting in autonomously driven electric vehicles who don't belong to us. So what does that do to the industry? Well, um, that depends on how the industry get on board these, you know, these trends. Uh, it's definitely a lot happening here. You have um, and of course, it's, I don't think we will not have cars that are owned. Uh, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I heard a joke. Not, I, I don't th even think it's a joke. It's actually true. The, the, the last car we will get rid of is actually the sport cars. You know, these yes. are the people will still have cars as, as something that it's fun to drive and, and, and do. But as soon, as soon as the costs come down, why would most people, especially in the cities, choose to pay a lot more uh, when they can just buy buy a service and get all their needs covered. Um, there's a company called Mars Global um, that launched a new solution in Helsinki uh, a few months back uh, where they already have this. They offer, for a fixed price a month, they offer you all the mobility that you need. Uh, you could use public transport, taxi, uh, and get a car when you want it, as long as you don't use them at the same time, right? Yeah. So. I think we will slowly get there, um, especially when price come down, co comes down. And autonomous cars, electric cars, and car sharing are integrated. These are disruptive trends and technologies that sort of reinforce each other. 
you can't get one without the other, I think, because electric mobility will get will be cheaper in the end, especially when you think about maintaining the cost and everything. Um, car sharing will, I think, definitely be important, especially in the city areas. Uh, and these are, the cities are, are you know, where the population growth is the, is the biggest. And autonomous vehicles, the technology is already here. I think I'm, I'm one of, I, I think there's still some time off before we all drive autonomous vehicles. And I think we also ha have to handle this in a way that, that we, um, we don't get more cars in the cities. If you have uh, your own autonomous cars that come and get you and uh, go back to your garage or something, that then, then we sort of failed, right? Yes. So we need to make this work in a, in a, in a good way. But it's definitely interesting uh, things going on in the mobility sector and it's moving fast. And we were discussing this before, right? That none of us actually own a car. So I think increasingly people are thinking, do I really have to own one? Mm -hmm. True, yeah. true. And uh, I might add an interesting aspect I learned from a colleague from an insurance sector who said, we will all move immediately to autonomous driving when it is proven that that causes less damages than a driver behind the steering wheel. And the reason for that will be that nobody can afford the insurance for driving himself anymore. Exactly. Which is uh, also an interesting pressure. Mm -hmm. So uh, my last question really would be uh, more like maybe a global view. We know already uh, Norway leading on market share. What are the next big markets you would think around the globe where EVs will really make an impact? Well, we already see Actually, it's quite interesting to ha see how in country after country there are new incentives and um, politics put in place. And also, country by country, they are also launching quite ambitious goals. Norway launched the goal um, last year that from 2025, in seven years, we're only going to sell zero emission vehicles, meaning battery electric or hydrogen. Um, shortly after, India said that they will do the same from 2030. And India is a a lot bigger than Norway, <laughs> which is uh, which is really cool. And I, I went to India in December, and I was amazed about how how uh, you know they they really believe in this and they want to do it. And then of course China is, is uh, interesting, and um, I think people uh, in Europe and and uh, other countries maybe don't even really realize what's going on there. You have examples of Shenzhen, for example, one of the bigger cities that now already have electrified all of, of their buses are fully electric. So it's it's moving fast, and uh, yeah, and and there's a lot of countries around the world now that have bigger uh, increases in the EV sales uh, than what Norway had a few years ago. So they the increase is higher. New Zealand, for example. 130% uh, growth from one year, year on year, last from 2016 to 2017. And you see this in country by country. Uh, people just don't really realize it because it's still quite small volumes, right? Mm. But it's, it's starting. And so Norway is five or 10 years ahead, but the other countries are quickly following. So I, I don't want to name just one uh, yeah. country, but it, m for me, it's just the amount of tension that my, my organization is getting from around the globe is just increasing and increasing. And it's telling me that the world is waking up and people are understanding that this is actually working and, and, and will be with the future. So it should be a no-brainer for the car industry to really get into this big time? They should or else they will 
be gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, on that happy note, <laughs> Christina, we, we have to stop, unfortunately, because this episode comes to an end. But thank you very much for your very valuable insights and uh, enjoy your time here in Dubai. It was thank great you having much. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And for the listeners, uh, thank you very much for listening. That was Christina Bu, Secretary General from the Norwegian Electric Vehicle Association. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com/talksenergy.